Well, hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me, as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Just, uh, you know, living living in these tough times. Excited to keep breaking down some football. And we are so close to the season. It's creeping up on us. I'm pumped. Like, you know, every time I wake up, we're another day closer to football. It doesn't get much better than that. It still doesn't feel like it to me. And I felt like it maybe it felt like it a little bit more to me, maybe even a few weeks ago. I feel like now we're within striking distance of what 15 days away from a Texans Chiefs game, which is gonna be exciting to watch. And I can't I can't even I can't even feel it yet. It's very it's very surreal. And now we have this entire new weighted situation socially of what's going on in the NBA really stepping up today and, and taking a stand and, and leveraging their platform. And I'm interested to see the trickle down effect into the other sports and into football in particular. So, um, but anyway, we're just seven of eight unpacking just division by division. I'm going to knock out the NFC North today. We are doing this. This is uh, you're listening to the podcast. You can also find this on, uh, Twitch, Connor, correct me what else, what else I'm going to miss. Periscope, Twitch, YouTube, and then anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, we're bringing this to you for the rest of the season this way. So really excited. I'm excited for our guest today. Definitely specifically handpicked for this division. Uh, he is a perennial force in the Fantasy Pros accuracy competition, both in the pre-draft and weekly season-long competition. I am going to track him down at some point in the next decade. Uh, probably not this year, but just at some point playing the long game. Uh, he is also the host of the Fits on Fantasy podcast. You can find his written work as well over at thefootballgirl.com. It's Pat Fitzmaurice. What's going on, Pat? Hey, Ryan. Hey, Connor. Great to uh, be on with you guys. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a good one. We're, uh, we're excited to get your takes. This division feels pretty pretty wide open, and there's going to be a lot of interesting content here. So before we jump here, I want to tell you about uh, supporters of the show here. Support for Move the Lions brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer, precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Uh, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code MOVETHELINE at manscaped.com. So that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code move the line. We also have a new exciting um, sponsor with our friends over at undergrad or underdog underdog fantasy. We've been waiting for like just the best, best ball platform to come back. We all missed draft when it went away for a while. I know that there have been other players and um, some of the big dogs in the DFS space have got in there, but we're excited for underdog. Um, they offer the best season-long best ball contests you can find. You can do them on your phone or computer. They have a $1 million tournament that is available for $5. You can get in for $25. Um, you could do, you know, if you're just a, a small player, you want to get in for $3. And you, instead of doing mock drafts, you can get in there and actually throw a little bit of cash in there for your best ball. So go ahead and check out Underdog if you haven't yet and use the promo code for FOR4. All right, NFC North, guys. Um, before we jump in, though, I actually want to give a little bit of uh, props to our friends over at Underdog with our wake and take section. Um, kind of an interesting tweet, Pat. I'm not sure if you saw this uh, with Bud Light wanting to uh, 
find an interesting way to market themselves, which I think that was pretty smart. You're getting a lot of free attention, free clicks, basically offering you a chance for a free case of Bud Light uh, if you go ahead and leverage your first pick in the draft for Gardner Minshew. Um, Friends at Underdog had a nice little <laughs> comeback there, and they offered you to not do that since uh, that would obviously ruin your league. And uh, they're actually within a 24-hour period now. If you hear this and you listen to us live or you're listening to us early Thursday morning, um, if you complete a best ball mania draft and do not pick Minshew with your first-round pick, you're going to get another free entry into their best ball mania contest. So, uh, Pat, any thoughts on uh, the Minshew mania here? Well, I'm a Milwaukee kid, Ryan, raised on Miller beer. So, um, you know, if I was offered uh, a deal where I got a case of Bud, if I picked Christian McCaffrey, number one, I'd probably go and take Saquon Barkley instead (laughs) just to avoid drinking Bud. So, um, you know, I guess as long as they're not sponsoring your show yet, I don't have to worry about offending them. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be too interested in that. For a chance, you don't even get the case, Pat. It's literally a sweepstakes. Oh, it's a chance into a sweepstakes. So, like, even if you're it's <laughs> yeah. a hundred dollar league or a fifty dollar league, you're getting a chance for a case of Bud Light. Connor, I know that you, this one sparked uh, some fire in you. What do you think here? Yeah, if you, I mean, if you are guaranteed a case of Bud Light, you better believe that I'm hopping in like some ESPN draft. And with some randos, like, you know, posting that I took him in the, with the first pick and then sending <laughs> on over and getting my case and never logging in the rest of the year. Um, you know, maybe that's kind of scummy, but I don't know. Worth, maybe worth the case. I'm, I'm here for it. Or, you know, old school, you know, you do the draft in person. If you can do that nowadays, I don't know, socially distance outside. Um, wearing gloves so that when you pick up the sheet, everyone's being really good about it. But, yeah, you just throw Gardner on the board, snap that photo, send it on <laughs> yeah. your way. Rip that off. <laughs> rip it so, off and fire it back up. Does this mean that Minshew and Bud are like somehow connected? Do they have a, a sponsorship deal with Minshew? It has to be now, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Because sure. it, it came oh, off of Minshew's, Minshew's Twitter. Um, so there's like a little commercial leaving with it. It's uh, it's good for him. You know, like they were, we weren't even sure that he had job security six months ago. And now right. he's, he's he, knocking off Does he have job deal. security? Or is he going to be the shortest lived cult-like hero ever? Like he's just gonna might be you know one year and then the Jags win three games and then they're taking another quarterback and Minshew Mania is over. That's pretty much it, right? Keeping the seat warm <laughs> for uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin. Yeah, Peele. exactly. Yeah, yeah. good for him. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Cash him while he can. So, all right, let's talk football. Uh, NFC North. They are facing uh, the AFC and NFC South this year for their uh, alternative schedule, which is pretty interesting. Um, this one is flip-flops, I, and I feel like you can make a case for all these teams. Looking at division odds, you know, um, we're seeing the Vikings at the top, uh, plus 165 to win the division. Packers there, plus 190. Um, has that shifted recently? Because I, I don't remember that being a thing very long, for very long, the Vikings are, are still that much of a difference between their um, Bears right behind them at plus 450, and the Lions been kind of a buzzy sleeper as well, plus 600. Um, off the top, Connor, any thoughts? Yeah, nothing too much here. I mean, like compared to some of the other divisions, I feel like there's always like one or two just really strong teams that are at the top here with this division. It's kind of, I just think it's a little bit messy where there's a lot of really volatile teams that 
you know, we'll unpack more. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, just looking at the odds off the top here, nothing really stuck out to me too much. We'll start at the Vikings. They have the shortest odds here. They are um, minus 130 to make the playoffs. You can get them um, fading them to make the playoffs at Sugar House at plus 112. Win total basically eight and a half everywhere across the board. Um, 12 to 1 to win the NFC and 25 to 1 to win the entire thing. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, a massive overhaul. Um, on the coaching side, I think we're going to have some real question marks on the defensive side of the football. But, Pat, kick us off. Talk to me about the Vikings. Yeah, that's it. I mean, number one is probably just the the huge overhaul they had in their secondary kind of stands out. And, um, boy, it just seems like um, if, if there's one thing that Aaron Rodgers can do, he can pick on the weak spot in a defensive backfield. Like I've seen Aaron Rodgers do that for so long. Like he will find the new blood, the, uh, the inexperienced corner. And it looks like they're going to be starting, you know, one of Cam Dantzler or Jeff Gladney, the two rookies they took uh, at least one of those guys. And the other cornerback is what Mike Hughes, who's pretty mediocre. So that could be kind of an Achilles for them. And, um, you know, I think they, they still have some questionable, uh, offensive line spots right now. Um, you know, Garrett Bradbury, their first round pick in 2018, uh, or maybe, sorry, 2019, pretty bad rookie year, I would say. I mean, we Packer fans called him uh, Garrett Cadbury because he was so soft <laughs> in the middle. Um, but, you know, they do have defensive continuity with Zimmer and, um Overall, it probably still, even with the weak spots at cornerback, is probably the best defense in the the division. Um, You know, they've got a a decent veteran quarterback with Cousins. They've got a little bit of firepower at the skill positions. Um, You know, this isn't a powerhouse. I don't think they're anyone's Super Bowl favorite, but uh, top to bottom, it's a a decent team. Yeah, overall, I think a pretty good roster. You mentioned... You know, obviously, Mike Zimmer led defense is one of those head coaches that when he's involved, he's definitely a defensive mind. So obviously, uh, with Stefanski moving on to Cleveland, they have Gary Kubiak coming in here to take things over. Uh, yeah, I think the offense is going to work, but I think there's going to be some questions on on the defensive side. Uh, hard to have them pegged as a strong division favorite here. But what are your thoughts, Connor? Any leans on the on the Vikings? Yeah, I, I almost thought that Kubiak kind of like helped run the offense last year. He was like on as like an offensive assistant or whatever. So I think that a lot of Stefanski's guidelines and principles um, were were pretty similar. We saw a lot of like, you know, run heavy game planning and like the the way they run the ball, I just thought was really similar. And so I don't think a whole lot's going to change offensively in terms of their philosophy. But um, I think that Pat did a good job kind of covering, you know, the, the roster here. Their schedule – is really interesting because it is easy on paper, right? So it's 13th uh, easiest according to opposing win totals. But um, if you kind of look at it, it's all against like middling teams, like teams who are like right in that seven to nine win range that, you know, the Vikings aren't necessarily better than, but they're not necessarily worse than, which is, it's kind of difficult to predict. So like their, their first games before the bye is like the Packers, Colts, Titans, Texans, Seahawks, and Falcons, and then the bye. So, I mean, they're going to be like between, three-point dogs and, like, seven-point favorites in every single game. And so that's going to be really interesting. I think that, like, 
that means that their season, I think, can go either way or they're just really going to be – it's going to come down to them winning one-score games. Um, and for them, I think, they were, which might be a good thing, they are due for a bit of positive regression in one-score games. Last year they went two and four. So, um, yeah, I mean, they are probably going to you know end up closer to 500 there, but that's only one game, so it's nothing too big. Um, but really no strong takes for me in terms of this team. I just – I can't get on board with you know the, the passing options here really beyond uh, Adam Thielen – um, and you know, if they do have to pass the ball, I'm, I'm just not really sold that they're gonna be able to move it as consistently as they would without, uh, without digs. Yes. Yeah, second pass catcher is definitely something that is going to be an interesting thing to emerge. Obviously adding Justin Jefferson in the draft is something they're hoping that, you know, he kind of steps forward there. Obviously Irv Smith is a potential with him, maybe solidifying himself as the pass catching option from the tight end sets. You know, he could emerge, but let's talk about the prop market here. We have some numbers on Cousins, r 4 for 4com projections, 4,323 yards. Significantly higher than anything we can find out there in the market, which is a trend. And obviously, you know, these projections are, are tying into 16 games, and we're seeing that the markets are being a little conservative with all the unknowns of, of COVID. You know, the highest number we're finding out there for Cousins is 3,800 yards. Um, any interest in the uh, prop market that you see here, Pat? I think the numbers for Cousins are pretty snug. Um, yeah, I, I I think I would maybe take the the under on twenty four and a half touchdowns. Uh, it it just seems like they want to run the ball. I don't know if they've got anyone who can give them any easy long scores. Like not a lot of you know uh, lid lifters in this wide receiving core. And um, Cousins is. I think the worst quarterback I've ever seen at throwing the fade pattern close to the end zone. I mean, it's something he just absolutely cannot do. So, uh, you know, that, not that the fade is a, a real plus EV play call when you're close to the goal line anyway, but uh, Cousins is really, really bad at it. So um, I'm taking the under on that for TDs. Yeah, I feel like they have, they want to run the ball. They have good running backs. Like we know that that's still a thing for them. I think you did a good job pointing out some of the offensive line inefficiencies that I think will still be an issue. But yeah, this feels like a team that's wants to control the clock is going to want to run in the goal and, you know, around the goal line. So I'm with you. I think that number feels a little high. And even though our projections are pretty bullish compared to what the markets are telling us, I Kirk cousins over passing market is not a place that I, I want to really have a lot of funds in, um, as we head into the season here. So how about Thielen? I mean, I feel like Thielen, um, if you were drafting, you know, doing any best ball stuff that was out there before underdog in say March or April, uh, or, you know, getting ready for any season longs or any high stakes stuff. I mean, Thielen's a guy that was absolutely buried going fifth round pretty typically. Now you're seeing him sometimes available in the fourth, but he's obviously trending up. I think people are starting to warm up to really all the injuries that he had last year. And really how narrow that target share could be for him. There's just not a lot of secondary options there. The Thielen market, though, is a little bit higher than our projections. We have we've been pegged for uh, 1,081 yards. You can find uh, kind of a middling opportunity between FanDuel and Sugar House. But, uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on, on Thielen? Are you buying? Yeah, I think I think it's tough because – He's, he is really their only legit wideout right now. The reports are that Justin Jefferson is running as the num, uh, running behind BC Johnson. I mean, I'm sure that's not going to last too long, but still it's a little concerning. Like we said, I mean, the season's in around two and a half weeks at this point. 
Um, so, you know, he's, he might take a little while to develop here. So you're looking at really Thielen as the only legitimate pass catcher, uh, in my opinion, uh, which is good for, you know, maybe his total target share. But then when you consider that, like, is Adam Thielen capable of being a number one wide receiver able to like, you know, always get open when there's a lot of attention on him? Um, I would say maybe, you know, like before he was not as old and injured, um, you know, he's not like super old or anything, but still, I just think that. It's uh, it's something to look out for because, you know, if there's a lot of like basically all the attention on him in the passing game, then I think that it could negate a little bit of the target share. But then again, I thought that, you know, they do a really good job with utilizing play action and stuff. So that definitely helps as well. So I think I'm going back and forth that I think that probably the target share will overcome, you know, maybe the lessened efficiency of, you know, his targets overall. Um, so for me, I, I lean I lean over and I think that there is a chance that he just sees like an, an unbelievable amount of targets. But uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck on it, and I probably won't take it either way. Yeah, if he stays healthy, it seems like there's a path to pretty large volume share here. What are your thoughts, Pat, on uh, on Thielen? Are you buying currently? I think Connor summed it up pretty well with the targets. It just seems like he's built in for a 25 percent or higher target share. There's just so. Uh, few options otherwise BC Johnson, Tajay Sharp, Jefferson, uh, Irv Smith. It's just setting up really well for him, but I agree. I mean, he's kind of got this sneaky like sleeper pedigree as the guy from Minnesota state and uh, kind of a late bloomer. And uh, you know, is he like a true number one receiver type talent? Is he going to be able to thrive? going up against opponents, number one cornerbacks every week. So I think Connor made a good point on that. And, uh, you know, it does seem like the totals on him are, are kind of about what you'd expect between like 1050 and 1100 yards. And, uh, you know, I don't re- feel really strongly about over or under with that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he just could, their volume could be so clutch that he is valuable in, in the fantasy game, but I don't know that he's necessarily a buyer in the prop market. Um, how about Dalvin Cook? We have some numbers on him as well. Um, are we thinking that there's any concern on Cook as far as holdout? I know we're hearing obviously mixed messages. You know, he's in camp, like he's actively sitting out. Like it just, what do we do with Dalvin Cook, Pat? I guess I'm inclined to fade any. Uh, Dalvin Cook totals, you know, I know he's over a thousand rushing yards and like close to 1500 yards from scrimmage with the numbers and uh, it just with the health history. I mean, he's terrific when he's healthy and the Vikings have shown an inclination to feed him when he is healthy. You know, they're not shy about giving him 20 to 25 touches a game, but, um, you know, he's been pretty brittle in his NFL career. He was kind of brittle at Florida State. So um, I think we have to kind of worry about that. And and plus, you know, COVID-19 sort of ups the odds of missed games there. So, uh, you know, in a full 16-game season, I like him to hit those numbers. But what are the odds we're getting 16 games out of Dalvin Cook? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. It's uh, the injuries have been a thing. And now we obviously have all the other, all the other unknowns that we're dealing with this season as well. Um, what do you think, Connor? We have, uh, you know, pretty generous projections, but uh, you can find some stuff out there in the market that's even more bullish than we are. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine sweating uh, Dalvin Cook over for the entire season, considering his injury history, potential to hold out, and like COVID. Like, that's just, that's 
my heart can't handle all that. You know, maybe one <laughs> thing, but not all, all three of those together, like no shot. I can't, I can't deal with that. So, you know, I, I'm staying off of it, even though I think that the way to attack Cook, um, you know, I was on it almost every week last year. It's like Dalvin Cook carries in games that they're favored by around like seven to seven points to 10 points where they're just going to be winning and running the ball. I think that's the way to attack Dalvin Cook in that on a like week to week basis because, you know, you know, he's going to play unless he gets injured mid game and a lot safer, I think, than taking a full season bet. Are right, the eight and a half? We have any interest there? Um, I mean, I feel like it's probably a pretty good line. I feel like this very much could be an eight and eight football team. They do kind of talked about really pretty thoroughly of the the question marks that they have. Um, I just don't feel like this is a division winning football team when they're going to have to rely probably pretty heavily on a rookie in the secondary, multiple rookies probably in the secondary and a second year guy that kind of disappointed. Um, There really are some, well, two pretty, decent passing offenses. Uh, maybe one that doesn't really want to be a passing offense much anymore. We'll get to that team next, but um, I just feel like that this is going to kind of be an albatross for them all season. So eight and a half. Do we have any leans before we move on to the Packers? I can't see what the, uh, if, if that's a straight 110, 110, either way, uh, minus 110, minus 110. If you go eight and a half, so uh, – Boy, at that man, that just, there's a little bit of juice on the under. It's like, or like a there? little bit of a, or a little bit of juice on the over. Sorry, with like, um, you know, minus one fifty on the over, and then plus one twenty, plus one fifteen on the under at most spots. All right, if there's a a little juice to take the under, I'd probably be inclined to lean that way because eight and a half just feels so spot on. Um, you know, if if there was a juice lean, I think I'd go that way. Yeah, what about you guys, I agree with that. Yeah, well said. Um, can we backtrack for one second there? Maybe the, the one prop I like on this team more than any other is, uh, Justin Jefferson under 725 yards. I don't know what you guys think about this, but it just seems like he's kind of a square peg for the Vikings. Like they could have gone a lot of different ways with receivers in the first round. And this is a team that uses three wide out sets, I think less often than any other team in the league. So they're not going to be using slot guys very often. Uh, And Thielen's got a lot of experience as a slot guy, so they might want to give him some snaps there. Jefferson worked almost exclusively out of the slot at LSU last year and was terrific at it. So it's kind of odd that they got this just slot specialist with their number one pick when they needed a receiver. And, you know, there were all these perimeter guys they could have had. So, uh, you know, then the reports that he's not exactly lining it up at camp, as you guys mentioned, and that he's behind BC Johnson. So 725 yards feels a little rich, especially with the COVID offseason. The rookie's not getting any preseason reps, uh, limited training camp reps. 725 just seems tall. Yeah, it does. It was not It was a weird pick. I mean, I, I don't want to limit him just because that's necessarily, you know, it's how he was used at LSU. But I think you're right. I mean, he doesn't feel like, even if he can profile to something different, he doesn't necessarily feel like a lid lifter if they were going to replace Stefan Diggs just schematically and wanted to kind of balance out the fields. Everything's going to feel packed in. You're going to still probably see a decent amount of 12. You know, you, we have Thielen who really is just – he's good at finding space and working on a slot himself. I mean, I think he made great points. I mean, I don't know that Jefferson makes a ton of sense. But um, how about you, Connor? I mean – 725 is 
It's pre yeah. I don't I don't have I'm not I don't know that I have any Justin Jefferson in my fifty plus No, draft. I was I was in uh I was in Kentucky last weekend for that live draft and my co owner was like, Hey, let's pick that Justin Jefferson guy. I'm like like you know I was like, No, he's off the board. You know, I was like, he's we're not taking him. Um, I mean, it was like the 11th, 12th round, which is fine. I guess you are going to take a dart, but still, I was like, no, I would rather have so many other guys. Totally agree with what you guys are saying. I think there's also a touchdown prop here at five and a half. I mean, I like the under there too, like six touchdowns for a rookie that, you know, I mean, he might not even play much the first few weeks, right? Like, I think we're looking at him getting maybe what, like 20, 30% snaps, unless they're really, you know, losing and airing it out. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he's going to get off to a slow start and from there, who knows, but yeah, 725, I think, pr- provides a good amount of cushion. Yeah, good call there. All right, let's talk Packers. Uh, they are uh, basically nine in most spots. Sugar House has an eight and a half out there. Uh, they are minus basically 130 to make the playoffs. You can get them uh, at plus 108 to not make the playoffs. We talked earlier, plus 190 to win this division. 16 to 1 to win the NFC. 35 to 1 to win the entire thing. You know, obviously a lot of news on the Packers in the offseason. You know, obviously not addressing seemed like a pretty gaping hole to everyone else at the wide receiver position and you know, address Aaron Rodgers' backup. But uh maybe we see Angry Rodgers this year. We know that they want to move to running the football. Um, I know that there's a lot of regression to be had in this team. They really outkicked their coverage in a lot of ways last year to finish twelve and four. I'm also feel like I'm I think it's still a pretty decent football team. I really like some of the pieces defensively. And um, I don't necessarily think that we've seen the complete end of Rodgers. And I, Devontae Adams is just a winner consistently on the outside. So I kind of still like this football team to win this division. What are your thoughts, Pat? Yeah, so they definitely outperformed uh, for what they did. I, they were 13-3, and three, and they outscored their opponents yeah. by 63 points net. So that's like four points a game. Um, you know, when they were up against a clearly better team in the 49ers, they got their doors blown off twice. Uh, they got pounded by the Chargers in L.A. So uh, California really didn't treat them well last year. <laughs> three of their four losses in that state. Um yeah, it just seems like after things broke so well for them last year, they're due to be flirting with 500 this year. And, uh, you know, just these strange choices with their first two draft picks that aren't going to give them any help this year. Uh, Jordan Love and and then, you know, supposedly Jordan Love is, is looking terrible in camp right now, according to the reports. And A.J. Dillon, who's going to be a third back for them. So, uh, you know, they definitely could have used help at defensive ends, at linebacker. And obviously, you know, the the one pick that people were screaming for, receiver in the most loaded wide receiver draft class we've seen in years. So really curious draft for them. Uh, They do have some playmakers on defense with Zadarius Smith, who looked like, you know, a poor man's Lawrence Taylor last year. Uh, Jair Alexander looks like a, a, you know, pretty sticky cover corner. Uh, Kenny Clark is just a beast at nose tackle and some other decent pieces there. Great offensive line, but, um, you know, I mean, they are just one Devonte Adams injury away from disaster, a wide receiver. Um, 
you know, they're sticking stubbornly with these guys who haven't panned out yet. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, uh, Equinemia St. Brown, who's been hurt. Um, Alan Lazard, I mean, I, I guess he's going to be the number two. And just by virtue of being a favorite of Aaron Rodgers, maybe we have to look at him as sort of a, a fantasy dark horse for a guy who is going to get targets and, and be forced into it. But all in all, I mean, this kind of has the feel of a, a nine-win team to me. And um, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? You're not – I'm trying to be unbiased here, and I, <laughs> I think it's easy after that draft because that draft didn't For exactly sure. leave Packer fans with a great taste. So, um, you know, I, I'm definitely not expecting a repeat of 13-3. and three. Yeah, I think the draft was a massive wet blanket to the entire <laughs> it was Packer Nation for sure. I I I know we're calling this all team up here, um, <laughs> but I I feel like that there is regression, and I think we all know that that's going to happen. They had some incredible schedule luck, like they caught. I think they had the Chiefs like in Kansas City, like that was the first week that like Mahomes was out. They just had a lot of little breaks yep. that went in there too. But they also did play a good chunk of the season, unfortunately, without their best playmaker. He's coming back. Um, I think that they can still regress and still be a nine-win football team, which could win this division. Because I just don't know that there's a – I don't think there's a 10-win football team in this division. So, Connor, I think you're uh, you're on the Packers under. So, uh, tell us yeah. why you're there. Well, I grabbed nine and a half like a while ago. Like, I don't even know, maybe like April, like right after the draft or something like that. Um and then I also took another position on nine again, under nine. Uh, I mean, you guys said most of it, but I mean, they were nine and one in one score games. Um, they're using the Pythagorean wins. They should have won 9.8 games compared to the 13. Um, and I mean, all things considered, like they were 15th in defensive DVOA. Their run defense is legitimately awful. Like they got shredded by the 49ers. Like we saw, I mean, I know run defense does, doesn't really matter too much, but still like when it's that bad, and, you know, all you have to do is run the ball, like, you know, that many times. Like, it's really, you know, not too – I think that is a big deal at that point when it's really that bad. Um, and then also I've just been hearing um, from, you know, a couple of people who are plugged in the, the Packers locker room. is just a total disaster right now. And that, you know, Pick and Jordan Love picks didn't sit well with a lot of the guys. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a little bit of, you know, insider bias but yeah I'm, I'm willing to i'm willing to take with it and run and you know continue to see a football team here that really didn't address a lot of their needs and um I, i'm just not confident really you know take a take a step forward or even able to maintain a 13 and 3 um record and i know that like what noonan said you know there is space to regress and still be a nine-win team um, I just don't see them being a 10-win team here. Um, maybe, you know, the, the division being not super strong helps them a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that this team is, team is overrated still. And I, I see them more as an 8-win team or even potentially to be just, like, legitimately downright, like, bad if the wheels fall off. And I think that – I think it's in the range of outcomes. And I know that, you know, Pat's not going to like to hear that. And I, I'm glad he went first and he was unbiased here. I was I was a little scared when you told me you were bringing on a Packers fan. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm just going to be – you know, ripping on them. But uh, I, I really do think that like, you know, if, if Rogers, uh, you know, things aren't going well for them and they're forced to play love at any point, or if, you know, there are calls for love, if, if the team isn't winning, I mean, this season is going to get, you know, ugly, I think quick, especially with what we've been hearing out of camp for, about Jordan love. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm all out on the Packers. And I think that I, right now we're looking at 
over under nine wins. Um, I mean, the under is minus 140. That's a little much, but um, I mean, if you get like minus 120 or minus 115, I would still take the under. I just think it would have to be a catastrophe for us to see love this year. Like, I know that the we get kind of stuck into the narrative and you get some of the, you know, nothing matters crowd and some of the analytics <laughs> crowd will talk about, you know, the regression and the death of Aaron Rodgers. And I think we all can agree that we're not seeing peak Aaron Rodgers anymore, but like still really good and above average. And like, it would just take a, he'd have to get hurt. I don't think he, we're going to see Rodgers pulled for performance. And Pat pointed out, this is, you know, I think the top six offensive line, according to PFF, they've obviously vocalized their desire to run. They addressed it in the draft by grabbing A.J. Dillon, maybe when they should have been drafting other positions, but they really have kind of seem to be committed to running the football too. And if they can execute that way, control the ball, be more efficient offensively, play action, get Adams in the right matchups, I think that they still have enough on the defensive side of the football some of those pieces can emerge to be uh, at least a playoff team here. So, um, but it kind of shifts to our prop market talking about a team that wants to run more our numbers here. As far as Aaron Rodgers passing yards go, you could find a 3850 at sugar house and a little higher, just a yard under 3,900 at FanDuel. Both of those numbers are South of our four for four projections, which are 3975. Um, how does this prop market speak to you, Pat? Well, based on uh, what Connor said, and I, I buy into a lot of what Connor said, so the the game scripts aren't going to be as favorable this year. So maybe Rodgers <laughs> does have to put it up a little bit more, and that would sort of play into the over on the yardage totals. So uh, I, I do kind of like the over on that, and uh, I definitely I forget where we were on the uh, total on passing touchdowns, but I like the over there too. I think it was 28, or no, 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 lower than that. 25 and a half. 25 yeah, and a half. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely on the over on that. Um, you know, I just think maybe there's some projection in there that they do try to give love a, a late season start or two if, if things really go south. But, um, you know, I kind of like the over on the Rodgers totals. Don't you feel like that would be the beginning of the end? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're going to be going into a dark period if they have to if they <laughs> pull the plug on Rodgers. Like it's going to be back to the, uh, you know, when I was growing up in the like early 80s, mid 80s, when the Packers were just terrible every year. I think it would be like nostalgia, like bad Packers for me. I, I think that would be the, the signal that the dark days are upon us. I mean, Packer fans, we've been spoiled rotten, man, just absolutely spoiled rotten. But when you grew up and like these early eighties, mid eighties, the Packers were a joke for a long time. So, um, you know, I was there for the, the dark ages and, uh, I know, I know they're coming eventually. So maybe it does happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. We can reminisce as a, as a Patriot fan. Um, I've, I'm old enough to remember awful, awful Patriots years and, <laughs> Connor's so young, he doesn't remember any of that. He's just as basically as soon as he's been alive and could watch football, the Pats have been pretty dominant. And uh, that was yeah. not the case growing up. Those Patriots teams were were really rough. I moved out here to Chicago and everyone wanted to remind me of that, you know, 86 Super Bowl. And Patriots did not even belong in that game. They were nine and seven and 
you know, won two very surprising games on the road to even be there. And that was like the only playoffs they sniffed for about 15 years on both sides of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Pat. We will just ride this gravy train until it, till it stops these, right. uh, these annual playoff <laughs> appearances. Cause it's coming. It's a the train's for ending for me. Us, Ryan, for both of us. <laughs> True. I'm holding on for at least one more year here with Cam. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm buying personally anything in the Devonte Adams sphere, uh, fantasy prop markets. I want to be overexposed to him. Um, and I think our four for four projections line up there too. Lowest number we can find on him is um, 1150 at Sugar House, FanDuel at 1200. Our for four, our four for four projections just shy at 1300 receiving yards for Adams. What are your thoughts there, Connor? Yeah, I mean, it's. It, it is interesting to note that, I mean, Adams has actually only clips a thousand yards once in his career. I mean, he's had 997 twice, but still it's like just kind of funny looking at it that he's actually only had 1000 yard season. Um, but I mean, not that that really necessarily matters too much for projecting this year, but still, um, I mean, yeah, at 1150, I'm, I'm interested in the over here just because, you know, a lot of what we talked about with Thielen is true here. Like, I really think that Adams is the only legitimate target, but we know Adams can beat, you know, like strong coverage. Like we know that he's capable of being a, uh, an alpha number one and commanding a high target share and really kind of winning at all aspects of the field. So, um, yeah, I'm interested in, in like an over here at 1150. I think that's a little bit light. Uh, I think, like you said, our projections have him at 1292. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty good buffer there that even if he is to miss like a game or so that he would there's still enough room to hit the over there. Yeah, I mean, 29% target share. Obviously, he wasn't fully healthy last year. Talked about how the misfits uh, around him uh, need to really step up. And we know Rodgers really kind of locks in on on his guys. And he rightfully trusts Devontae. And, yeah, I think that uh, that would be a, a number that I'd want to get on the over. What are your thoughts on, uh, on Devontae, Pat? Yeah, I mean, the only – Red flag on the over for the Adams receiving total would be just the the Dylan pick as a, a sign that the Packers yeah. want to get real run heavy with this offense. But again, if if we're talking about regression to seven or eight wins, uh, are they going to have that luxury? Um, you know, in a thirteen and three season, you can run a lot, even if you're not exactly blowing teams away. You know, you can you can run the clock and and control the ball and try to play that way. Um, and it seems like they want to do that, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to to do that. And uh, you know, Adams does have the potential to lead the league in targets. Um, you know, there's like a hundred and eighty target upside here. So um, yeah, yeah, I could I could get on board with the over. I think the guy that is kind of the microcosm of the regression story with the Packers is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, with uh, Aaron Jones, we know that we've talked about AJ Dillon coming in and, you know, I don't think we're expecting the touchdown numbers that we saw from Jones last year, but if this is a team that is still going to be running pretty heavily, I think he could still have a pretty good year. Our combined number at four for four is 1,365 yards that is uh, a little higher than anything we could find out there in the market in the combined number at 1325. Uh, Connor has that there up on the screen. How do we feel about Aaron Jones, Pat? Not great. Um, excellent player, but so much of his like receiving came last year when Devonte Adams was hurt. That sort of spiked his usage in the passing game. 
some of his best rushing games were when Jamal Williams was hurt. And the Packers talked, you know, back at the combine, we're talking about wanting to add a third back and then they draft AJ Dillon in the third round. So it's hard to see Jones getting more than like a 50% snap share as good as he is. And I, I think he deserves more than that. Like, I think he's earned it. But just the way they want to use him, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to the under here. Yeah, we've seen that. Like, it's been maddening, I think, for a couple of years. There's been a lot of free Aaron Jones talk. And then basically, like you said, like whenever like Williams is healthy or something else happens, he's still, no matter how much we think his talent is significantly better than his peers, like they just kind of relegate him to a 50-50 timeshare sometimes. And now it looks like we're going to have three guys. So maybe 50% is generous for him this year. What are your thoughts, Connor? Yeah, I mean, luckily in the prop market, you know, we don't really have to look too much at to touchdown reg- regression here. But um, for the rushing yards, I mean, I think Dylan is going to see, you know, like a, a decent amount of early down work right off the bat. Plus, I would say a lot of the goal line work. So um, if we are talking about touchdown regression beyond just like natural regression of him not scoring 19 touchdowns again that he would normally have, um, I do think that you can almost double count here with them t- picking Dylan because. Dylan is going to see a chunk of that goal line work or red zone work. So um, I really expect like heavy regression there for this prop though. Uh, I'm not interested in taking the under on the combined because uh, I think that he can make up a lot of ground in the receiving game. I mean, he's a great, great pass catcher and he is really explosive. I mean, you get him out in the space and you know, he could be, he can be hitting home runs way more often than you'd like. And um, especially if you're taking an under here. So I like the under on the rushing, maybe at nine fifty and a half. and a half projection seven minute, 888. Um, but other than that, I think that he, he's just not, a, I just don't understand what the Packers were doing. Like what, what possessed them, or what kind of logic, you know, led them to picking a backup quarterback and a third, or I guess probably second string running back behind two like really talented guys. I, I just don't, it doesn't make sense. And I know it's talked about all the time, but like, do any of you have any explanation for why they did this or like, like what, what led them down this path? Pat, you're plugged in. This is you. Yeah, I mean, there's been speculation that they aren't happy that Rodgers sometimes doesn't run the play according to script, that he sometimes doesn't take the easy completions. Um, you know, I, I get the sense that, like, they want want to do assert control, like LaFleur and uh, – Gutekunst, the GM, and apparently there's been a bit of a power struggle between Brian Gutekunst and uh, Mark Murphy, the team president. So things are kind of rotten at the top in this organization. I think the power structure sort of crumbled a little bit. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, really strange. And, you know, they're starting to defensive ends from Northwestern. I mean, and they just got trampled in the running game by the 49ers twice last year. Um, You know, and and those guys getting crushed at the point of attack was like a big part of that. And then they don't fix that. You know, they, they don't, um, as I think Connor mentioned, they were like middle of the pack in defensive DVOA. So, um, you know, not, not as good as they might've, seemed based on the record so yeah they really needed to make uh upgrades elsewhere and it it just the first two nights of the draft were just so depressing to any dialed in Packers fan who uh you know 
saw all these great wide receivers come off the board, <laughs> these stud defensive players. It was just depressing. I mean, that sounds like more reason now to to consider the under here at nine wins. I mean, that you know, that power struggle, the collapse, you know, I mean, sure. this could be it. This is how the Packers, you know, dynasty collapses. Um, and I know I'm, I'm making you feel better about those under bets. Connor. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> Count your money already. Great. Um, <laughs> but I, I do want to, I was looking over this year, you know, along this topic here, uh, as you can see on the screen, I was looking over, um, worst record in regular is regular season in the football 75 to one at points bet for the Packers. Mm. Um, I mean, that's a stretch. I know, but Hey, um, you know, anything's possible and you know, we, we could see, could see a big collapse. I mean, it would be a real, real, you know, dangerous season for them if that happened. But, uh, and I'm definitely not going to advocate taking that, but I definitely think it's fun to look at. And, you know, if it happens, we can, uh, can say we talked about it here. <laughs> if, if we sink below Jacksonville level with uh, right. Gardner Minshew and his Budweiser beer, I'm going to be really depressed. So. You better send him a case of Bud Light if that happens. <laughs> you better send Pat for kicking him while he's down. You're <laughs> dancing on his grave. He's coming off of a 13 and three, you know, <laughs> NFC Championship appearance, and Connor's looking to short them as the worst regular season record in the league. Uh, that's rich. Uh, <laughs> All right, before we move on, we'll talk a little bit about uh, sponsors. I want to talk to you about Manscaped. Um, they have redesigned the electric trimmer. Guys, this thing is really, really awesome. I can take it into the shower with you. Uh, the battery life is insane. The LED light on there, too, I've talked about every show, is really cool. Uh, I know Connor is a, a big fan of the, uh, the ball deodorant. But Connor, talk to our listeners about Manscaped. Yeah, I, I brought on the you know the ball deodorant here again. Uh, just needs to. It's important to show everyone, you know, because this is really the most clutch product. Um, I'm, I'm heading out to a cabin this weekend, and you know it's gonna be hot. <laughs> it's gonna be sweaty, um, and you know I, I don't want my family jewels smelling bad. So I you know I got to make sure to be staying fresh all the time. And you know the, this ball deodorant has been clutch so far. I, I've talked about it before. I've used it the past few weekends. I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sold. So I, I think it's good stuff. Would highly recommend. Yeah, we highly recommend uh, definitely checking this out. We want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. So again, you can get 20% off over at manscaped.com using the promo code move the line. All right, let's talk about the Chicago bears. Uh, they are, uh, where we got to make the playoffs. They are, uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. Are they going to make the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> Minus 160 to not make the playoffs. Win total, seven and a half at Sugar House, eight at FanDuel, uh, eight and a half at MGM Graham. I, th- uh, I thought this was very interesting. This has been out there basically all season. Definitely an ability to hedge here. If you think this is an eight-win football team, you can take both sides here. I'm surprised that that hasn't tightened up out there, but uh, – you can get them to win the division plus four fifty and twenty five to one to go to the Super Bowl fifty to one to win it. Um, easiest schedule in the NFC, which is really convenient for them. Massive questions, obviously, at the quarterback position. There was a pretty interesting market out there for a little bit, especially right around <laughs> draft season, around uh, Nick Foles being a runaway favorite to be the starter on opening day. And that looks to be anything but the case at this point. It looks like it's Mitch Trubisky's job to lose. Uh, Connor, talk to me about the Bears. 
Yeah, I kind of thought that like narrative around like you know Foles being like the the easy starter like from week one. I thought that was kind of like silly because we knew that there wasn't going to be much of like an off season, and um, you know without that time, like I just didn't really think that they were going to hand uh, Foles the job or anyone you know the job right away. They they you know they sunk some some draft capital into that guy named uh, Mitchell. Um, you know, that, that nobody, and I, I think they really think that like, they don't understand, you know, like the sunk cost, um, like they, they're abiding by the sunk cost fallacy. So they're really going to let it go with Mitch, I think until, you know, he's like worth pulling the plug on. And I mean, we, th- I think that he's been worth pulling the plug on since last year. I was, you know, calling for his head and telling him he should be benched, um, then, but I mean, at this point now with fools, like, I'm not really even sure he lasts a full game if he's not, if he's not playing well. Um, luckily for them, I mean, the season is not too difficult to start, um, on the road against the lions. Then they have the giants and then the Falcons. I mean, those are three very winnable games. Uh, I can guarantee you if they're not winning those games, he will be benched. Like that's, uh, I mean, that's almost for sure. So, um, but in terms of this team, I'm not really touching the win total because I, I almost do think that they bounce back slightly offensively with fulls, but I mean, the reports out of camp have been awful. Like, I don't know if you read any of those, but there have been like multiple different beat reporters saying that they have no rhythm, like the offense can barely move the ball. Um, and I mean, maybe that's just camp and the Bears defense is good, which that I still expect them to be a solid unit. But I mean, that's just not a good sign. It's not something that you want to hear with Foles, who's you know supposed to be significantly a better player than Trubisky. So, I, you know, all offseason, I wanted to believe in an offensive bounce back. I'm just I'm not sure we get it. And therefore. I'm I'm pretty much just like out on the Bears. I'm I'm not really touching them, and maybe you know take some in season stuff here and there once we kind of get a better picture of what's going on there. Yeah, 29th in yards per drive, 28th in points per drive, 27th in drive success rate, and they're basically running it back with the entire same crew um, and offensive line, basically adding whatever's <laughs> left of Jimmy Graham and and Ted Ginn. So um, we saw obviously today there was some. David Montgomery news looked like for a little bit, if you happen to be on Twitter at the time that it happened, that the world ended and David Montgomery was, you know, blew out his leg and was carted off. And then all of a sudden there was a groin injury and there was no cart and he walked off and he's going to be fine. Um, that definitely impacts things on this offense too. And that's even if you happen to be one of the very few David Montgomery stands out there, which I think Connor is one, but uh, at least you used to be. Um, but this just offense is really hard to be super excited about. What are your thoughts on this team, Pat? Totally agree. Really hard to get excited about the offense, just the lack of skill position talent other than Allen Robinson uh, and maybe Anthony Miller. Um, quarterback, I feel like they have to go with the best guy, right? Because Matt Nagy and, and um, Ryan Pace are both on the chopping block. And like if they lose the locker room, if, if they play Trubisky just because it's Pace's guy, you know, and, and the, the locker room feels like Foles should be out there. It's just going to be, you know, terrible poison the well stuff. So, um, you know, like if the Bears had a really good defense, um, you know, I, I think it's a an above average defense, but having Eddie Goldman opt out was really tough because they could have just had this nasty front four with Eddie Goldman Akeem Hicks, uh, Khalil Mack, and um, uh, the guy they just brought in, Robert Quinn. Um, they also lost 
Prince of Mukamara in the offseason in free agency, who was just terrific for them. I think he's in Vegas now. Uh, so it's a good defense, but not anything special, I don't think. And, uh, you know, this offense just looks like a bottom five offense. So I think it's that strength of schedule that's sort of propping up their win total a little bit. And uh, I'd be very interested in, in hitting the under, and I think I probably will. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's. I just don't. I don't see the path. I mean, thought same. Similarly, I like the defense. There's some good pieces. I like the addition. I thought Jalen Johnson lasted way too long in the draft. I thought that was a nice pickup for them. But then they've had some injuries in the secondary, and he's going to really need to be a day one contributor. That's not necessarily where you want him to be uh, as the season starts. And yeah, I mean, you would hope that they aren't tied to Mitch, but it seems like they are if they're going to be rolling with him to start. You would think there was, even though they're, you know, you don't want to have that change of quarterback. Like Foles is a little bit familiar with the system. This isn't completely, you know, night and day for him. So for him to be able to step in, I, I think is could be a little bit more seamless than your t- traditional quarterback change. But uh, I am interested in Allen Robinson. Uh, we'll talk about that prop market first. Our four for four projections obviously agree with me a little bit shy of twelve hundred yards. Uh, highest number we could find out there in the market is ten fifty. What are your thoughts on uh, A-Rob, Connor? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that um, looks like there's a – yeah, that 999 I think is pretty low. Um, but in general, I mean, it's it's tough to buy into this passing game at all, but I feel like Allen Robinson is someone who's just produced his whole career, you know, without good quarterback play. And so that, you know, makes me confident in – him continuing to produce here. And like, you know, technically Foles is supposed to be the best quarterback of his career, which is probably true and very sad, but I do think it is true. And so the only thing that would give me concern there is maybe, you know, he doesn't target Allen Robinson as much um, or like, you know, maybe he likes Anthony Miller a little bit more than uh, Trubisky did. So I think that would be the only thing that would give me concern about, you know, target share, because sometimes you see just like different quarterbacks have different chemistry with different players. Um, But I still think that, you know, Robinson over here at 999 um, is, is a solid bet. Yeah, 27% target share last year. I think even if he were to slip to 23, he probably still tops this number if he's playing 16 games. So that's pretty much built in. Because like I said, there's nothing else. I mean, I, I'm an yeah. Anthony Miller fan. I think that he's, he's good, but he's also literally it's just the two of them. I mean, there's really nothing as, as a third receiver if you're – you know, on whims, or if you think one of their 15 tight ends emerges to be some sort of like pass catching option here. Um, what are your thoughts on these bears props, uh, Pat? Yeah. So uh, I'm on Miller. I, I think we saw last year when uh, Taylor Gabriel got hurt, Miller comes in in the next three games, he's got like 20, 21 catches and 300 yards uh, just getting peppered with targets. Um, so I think he, all he really needs is is good health to go flying over his total, which is what in the high six hundred. So I think he's going to do that. I was kind of on Robinson too, and then I had uh, Sean Corner of the Action Network on my podcast this week, and this is a guy who's like the the king fantasy ranker, and you know his Twitter handle is the Odds Maker, and Sean has Allen Robinson ranked like seventeenth among wide receivers, which is one wow. of the lowest rankings I've seen him. And he just sort of pointed out that, you know, Miller was banged up for a while last year. Gabriel was banged up. 
Uh, and the Bears had so little at tight end that they were actually starting Jesper Horstead in some games. <laughs> and then just by virtue of having, even though they still don't have a lot of other pass catching options, just by being a little bit healthier, maybe that dense Robinson's total a little bit and that he was just kind of this alpha receiver by necessity last year. So, I mean, I still want to like the over here, but Sean just threw a little bit of cold water on that for me. I heard that too. And I felt the same way because I am, uh, I'm in on Robinson, but Sean on your show definitely gave me a little bit of trepidation to continue to be super, super bullish. Um, Still buying fantasy, but I don't know that I will attack this number. Um, how about David Montgomery? I mean, I don't know if any of the news that came out today, Connor, is is giving you any pause, but um, what are your thoughts, assuming that we get that today was a nothing burger and we get 16 games from Montgomery? Yeah, I mean, it made me really sad. That's what it made me. Um, I mean, I was – I I don't know. I mean, well, I don't think we see 16 games. I thought the latest report was that he was probably going to be out for, like, you know, a couple of weeks to start the season. Okay. Um, I don't know. It was like a – Something with his groin, like you know, um, but I don't know the the Twitter doctors I I follow, um, you know, were saying he could miss a few weeks. So, however reliable that is, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that in fantasy, like I think he's going to fall a bunch. I mean, I'm not going to take any props with him like early in the season until we kind of see that he's fully healthy. Um, I was, you know, expecting a bounce back year in terms of efficiency, but I think a lot of this also relied on you know, the Bears taking a step forward offensively just in general. And that, like, I thought that they would, you know, look more like they did in 2018 rather than 2019. Um, and, you know, that just doesn't look like – I'm not really confident that that happens anymore. And so I think with that too, like, you know, a lot of the optimism that I had around Montgomery, you know, seeing like basically all the early down work plus some pass catching work, um, you know, behind Tariq Cohen and then a little bit of touchdown upside – just doesn't really exist as much if there's no touchdown up, upside because they're not scoring points. I mean, they were they were 25th in points scored last year, and they were they were like I think it was 12th or top 10, you know, the year prior. Um, so you know, I thought they'd fall somewhere in between this year, but now I can think kind of like what Pat said: this offense is looking towards you know that bottom five range, and um, I'm I'm just not really confident in him in really any facet anymore, especially with the injury. Yeah, that's hard to disagree with that. The only thing that's appealing, at least a little bit is that it is pretty condensed as far as, you know, who the weapons are and, and where the ball is going. Um, any interest on Montgomery, Pat, or uh, you can talk to us about Anthony Miller as well. We have um, basically almost 200 yards above market uh, with our four for four projections on Miller. Yeah. Miller's so Miller's definitely an over for me with uh, just the expanded opportunity with no more Taylor Gabriel. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where the Montgomery totals settle after this news. I mean, I'm inclined to believe with the soft tissue injury, like a groin thing, that it's going to be over whatever people are estimating. You know, the Bears are going to come out with two or three weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more like a four to six thing and we don't see him until like end of September, early October. So, um, you know, if, if the line doesn't change that much, I might just hit the hit the under time to start clicking on CPAT at the end of your fantasy drafts. <laughs> Cause I don't know what else they're going to do. Ryan, Ryan, Nall. Ryan exactly. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, dial up Devonta Freeman or even Isaiah Crowell. All right. There we go. That'd be interesting. That'd be enough to be annoying. Here's actually, here's another one guys. I mean, 
I think that the Patriots have found their sucker in Ryan Pace. Like the Patriots and <laughs> Bears have made a lot of deals before. And there's no way the Patriots can keep all of James White, Sony Michelle, Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, and Lamar Miller. I mean, like one of those guys has got to go, right? I mean, could you see the Patriots dealing Ryan Pace, uh, Sony Michelle for like a third round pick? Oh, God. Oh, I could totally <laughs> I could, see it. Gosh, I would yeah. love that. So that would not surprise because they have been like big time trading partners the last three years or so. Mm. I could definitely see it. I could see it too. Brandon Bolden opted out. Um, I think that kind of helps Rex because I think they he would play special teams. And that was really important. Bolden was a massive special teams contributor. I don't know that Lamar Miller makes this team, but maybe he does if something like that opened it up. I mean, I think they would love to get off of Sony Michelle at this point. So Yeah, I mean I, I just see the Bears like running Tariq Cohen, you know, in into the the mouth of uh the defense, <laughs> you know, as much as possible. I, I actually remember like I went back because I remember just like really getting super mad about this during the season and like watched like a whole goal line series where at the end of like the first half, they ran Tariq Cohen up the middle like multiple times in like a goal line thing. And like, it, I just didn't understand like who would call something for their like five, six running back in like a goal line. You know what I mean? Like run. It just, it's, it's nonsense. It's funny you, you say that because like Matt Nagy just did not have any sort of short yardage plan last year. I remember that Thursday night opener against the Packers. They had mm-hmm. a key uh, fourth and one and they, they line up Cordero Patterson in the backfield. And I'm thinking, like, it's going to be some sort of gadget play. Look I remember out, what this. are they going to do? Yeah. They just hand it off to him, and he gets met two yards in the backfield. And <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do if they don't have Montgomery in those situations. It's going to be interesting. And Connor brought out the point. I mean, they if they can't capture two and one out of that first three-game schedule, they are they are really working uphill this year. That's a pretty nice, pretty nice open schedule. So. All right, we'll talk about the Lions and wrap it up here. Uh, they are uh, plus 280 to make the playoffs, minus 310 to not over at FanDuel. Win total uh, 6.5 at MGM. You can get them basically 7 everywhere else. They are 6-1 to one to win this division, 40-1 to one to win the NFC, 80-1 to one to win it all. Uh, they were pretty interesting, at least offensively, in the uh, first half of the season, at least when Matt Stafford was in there. You know, definitely different than what we saw with Jim Bob Cooter and being a very slow offense. They were looking to push it, and they they did it pretty successfully with Daryl Bevel. Um, again, this is kind of feels similar to the Vikings in a sense. This is kind of why I'm a little short on the Vikings. Like this feels like a equally bad defensive team, but maybe a little bit more dynamically offensively. And uh, I just don't see why there's such a massive gap. I don't think that they're a division winner because that defense is so bad, but. Pat, kick us off. Talk to me about the uh, Lions. Yeah, so the defense is going to be bad. I mean, the front seven, other than maybe like uh, Flowers and uh, Jamie Collins is pretty weak. Breaking in rookie Jeffrey Okuda, um, you know, rookie corners. Obviously, he was a highly drafted one. Maybe he'll hold his own. And they did bring in Desmond Trufant. So they might not be terrible at cornerback, even though they lost Darius Slay. But, yeah, that front seven is looking pretty weak. Which makes it interesting, though, because they're going to have to pick up the tempo on offense, and they can do it. I mean, they've got a good offensive line, uh, Stafford back. He's got two really good receivers in Galladay and 
uh, Marvin Jones. And, you know, now they bring in uh, DeAndre Swift to give them a little more juice in the backfield. So really kind of an interesting team. And, um, you know, I I don't know if they're going to win this division, but I, I sort of like them to beat these totals on the uh, on the wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I feel like it's kind of the, maybe there's not as much value left because I feel like they've been bet up a little bit. But like I was saying, I think they're really closer to the Vikings than they are being significantly one at the top of the division and one at the bottom. But uh, what are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I, I think last year it was just interesting looking back on how they did when they had Stafford. So, uh, I mean, they tied Arizona in the first game. I mean, after they blew a big lead and long. then they – they beat the Chargers by three. Um, they beat the Eagles by three. Then they lost to the Chiefs only by four. Uh, lost to the Packers by one. Uh, Vikings by 12. And then they beat the Giants. So I think there were just like a lot of close games in there. And like, I mean, they were a legitimate squad when they had Stafford. And I think that's probably what we see going forward. So I think they're a little bit undervalued here. Um, kind of like what you guys are saying. I know, you know, a friend of the show, Joey Kanish, um, has all been all over the o- over, you know, since – the day after the Super Bowl, you know, he's been nonstop taking, you know, them to win the division at like eight or 10 to one, I think was available. Um, right now we're sitting at six to one uh, and the over under six and a half. I like, yeah, I like the over at six and a half. I think that that's a still a solid, solid play for uh, this season. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a fun DFS team. There's not a lot of defense and a team that can really keep out in a shootout situation. I mean, we have an emerging tight end here as well with, you know, Hawkinson, even, you know, playoff Danny in the slot who, you know, if you just need him to be a slot receiver, he is uh, perfectly fit for that role. So there's there's definitely some some juice offensively with this team. Uh, very much think that they could leapfrog the Bears here. So I'm with you on that, Connor. How about Stafford? I mean, uh, numbers at four for four like him, 4,350 yards. Uh, highest number we can find out there is 4,100. Obviously taking overs – in the land of COVID doesn't make a ton of sense. You know, we're obviously shorting overs in general and the prop market is probably long-term EV play for a number of reasons. You just have so many outs on the under, but uh, what are your thoughts on Stafford, Pat? I do like the over just because we know that this defense is probably going to put him in pass heavy game scripts uh, unless, you know, Matt Patricia can work miracles with this defense. And I don't think any of us believe that Matt Patricia is a miracle worker. So, um, yeah, he's going to be throwing a lot. He has all these receivers. He's got a little bit of a cushion, uh, as you mentioned. Amendola's there. Uh, my guy Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin could. Yes. Uh, he's balling out in camp apparently, and you know, even though he ran a uh, glacial forty at the combine, I mean, this dude just destroys press coverage, and I think that might be like the hardest thing for rookies to adjust to at the NFL level. So I think he's going to be on the field a little bit as a rookie. And uh, yeah, I, I do like the overs for Stafford here. I wanted the Patriots to take Quintus Cephas so bad. Like he just, oh, yeah, I liked him a lot in college and not a great, uh, not a great combine, but uh, definitely just produced. I think that that sometimes we, we lose sight of what happens when guys are actually in pads and on the field. But uh, what are your thoughts on some of these props here, Connor Stafford Galladay. Uh, and then we could talk about Swift. Who's definitely been buzzy of late. Yeah, I mean, I lean, I lean over like you guys said, um, but I mean, the only concerns here for me is just like his back injury, you know, potentially flaring up again. Or um, I just think he also might be a little bit more susceptible to like potentially opt out 
um, with his wife. Um, and I know that he has some kids. So like, you know, I think that if, you know, maybe the COVID situation is not handled, like there's still potential for him to, you know, potentially opt out. And I mean, it's not something that I'm, you know, banking on and I still like the over, but it gives me a little bit of concern when we have such a long period that, you know, like for these kinds of bats when I'm taking, you know, like a, a stand on this, I want to feel really good about taking it over. Um, and for here, it's like, you know, I like it, but it's not something that I want to invest money in for, uh, you know, six, seven months. So makes sense. We have a lot of alpha receivers in the, this division. And Kenny Galladay definitely belongs in that uh, discussion. What he was able to do last year with all the different quarterbacks that he had to deal with, some real just David Blau for four, three, four games, and he was still putting up some solid numbers. We know that a little bit. He didn't have to deal with any target competition, really, with Marvin Jones being out. He's good for you know, a four touchdown game, you know, once a year, but, uh, any interest in any of the Galladay props, Matt? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I like over on the touchdowns considering that he scored three in five games with Blau as his quarterback and Blau is just, uh, you know, a a CFL caliber passer. Um, so I'm on that one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about the, uh, I'm sorry. What's the uh, yardage total yeah, for Galladay? They didn't have one posted. I don't really know okay. why. Yeah, right. it was, was kind of weird. I couldn't find one. But. Yeah, give me give me over on the seven touchdowns. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, how about the running back position? I mean, I was not a uh, not buying Swift early in the draft season, but definitely wasn't super interested in Carry On Johnson either. It seems to have somewhat, maybe even worked itself out pretty early. It looks like Carry On still. Maybe at least dealing with a little bit of whether it's the injury itself or at least the mental piece of coming back from a massive injury like that, even though they brought him back in like week 16 last year for like a random meaningless game. Uh, But Swift definitely looks like he is emerging here is just some good buzz coming out of camp. What are your thoughts on Swift, Connor? Yeah, I think you, I mean, you said it pretty well. Like I think with all the reports we see now coming out of camp, like Swift is, or uh, carry on is still in a brace and has been wearing like a brace for his knee injury, which apparently is, you know, not something that's necessary to the long-term health of his knee, but more so a comfort thing for him and like how comfortably he is actually cutting, um, which I, you know, I kind of take as a sign that, you know, maybe he's not feeling, you know, a hundred percent here. And then also there's that kind of weird quote about him saying like, you know, I can't do the things DeAndre Swift does, like the way he moves his body and the way he cuts and things like that. Gives me a little bit of extra concern there. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, um, like the swift over under is 725 and a half rushing yards. I don't know. I'm just not really sure that's the best way to attack him. I do like him in fantasy leagues, you know, Joe Pano and I did, uh, a draft. We got him like late, uh, I believe it was like late sixth round, early seventh round, something like that. Um, you know, I, I'm not really sure that he blooms, um, right away, but I think that, you know, he should definitely pop, uh, you know, down the road, I think, and, and, you know, have some good games once he gets, you know, more, more custom to the offense and everything. Yeah. We also have a carry on Johnson share in our, one of our main event teams that was shoved down my throat. Um, <laughs> I wasn't happy about it then. And I like it even less, you know, a month and a half yeah, from making it. Pick. Bad. It definitely feels bad. Yeah. Uh, I'll not blame that pick on anyone publicly. But, uh, <laughs> it was a very prominent fantasy uh, provider. Just, that, uh, just call him out. He won't watch the stream. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just kidding. You don't need to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't love carry on and uh, definitely let him sit out there in the draft board for someone else. But I'm I'm with you. I think Swift is probably better in fantasy than than maybe in a binary prop market. It's not necessarily the the way to attack him. But uh, yeah, no other props for Marv or anything else. But uh, yeah, that wraps up the the division. So Pat, we'll kick it to you. What was your uh, favorite bet that we discussed tonight? Um, you know, I kind of think it might be the Lions over the win total, believe it or not, or it's either that or the Bears under the win total. And I, I am probably going to – it just feels like the, the Lions are, you know, they're, what, 6-1 to one basically to win the division. I don't think they have great odds, but I think the true odds are probably closer to like 4.5, to 5-1. So I might take a little something on them there. And, um, yeah, that's about it. I, like none of the props in this division really grab me for whatever reason. So like, there's nothing I'm just like dying to get on top of, um, you know, maybe the Galladay over on TDs is about, I don't know, as favorable as I can find. Yeah. I feel like they've all been sharpened a little bit. What do you got, Connor? I think we are um, disagreeing a little bit here on our favorite <laughs> bet on the, on the show. Yeah. Um, I mean, give me the Packers under, I mean, obviously that's, you know, I, I talked about that. I think enough uh, about <laughs> why I like it. Um, but I, I think what Pat said makes sense. There wasn't like a lot of props that I loved, you know, like after the last episode, um, I mean, I pretty much just like, I bet DK Metcalf over 850 and a half yards, like pretty much right away. Um, you know, whereas like here, um, you know, I just didn't really feel great about any of the props taking him either way. Some, nothing more that I felt obligated to take more action out on. So, um, yeah, I, I like, you know, Packers under, and if you can still get it for a reasonable price, I would still be in there. I don't have access to Sugar House. Otherwise, I would take Devontae Adams over 1150. Um, our four for four projections, I think, are a little closer. And like I said, I want to be a little bit overweight in anything Devontae Adams this year. I think he is uh, just a, a nice path to a really solid season. And then uh, I guess my pick to win this division, I, I still think this is the Packers division to win. So um, who's going to win the division? <laughs> you didn't pick a division winner, though. You said it's not, uh, not going to be the Packers. I, as much as I want to give the, the Joey Kinnish special of the Lions, I'll go with uh, the Vikings by like a game, by a game. You know, like they win with nine nine wins. Yeah. What do you got, Pat? I got to be loyal and go with the Packers. Uh, they they win nine and edge the Vikings by a game. Yeah, I think this very well could be just the one playoff team division here. Even though I, we have expanded playoffs and we have – seven teams this year in the playoffs. I don't know that there's, you know, we have a couple other divisions that seem to have a pretty solid path to having a couple 10 win teams. And I don't think that that, I'm not sure that there's one in this division. So, uh, but yeah, you lose Connor two to one. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. When the, when the Packers have the worst regular season record and I'm, I'm <laughs> my 75 to one, you know, tickets that I'm not going to place, I'll, I'll be pumped. Connor's going to be sending me DMs and taunting me all season. That'll be fun. Oh, man. Well, Pat, you're the man. Thanks for joining us. Tell everyone again where they can find you and your stuff. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Find my rankings and articles at thefootballgirl.com and um, find my podcast. It's Fitz on Fantasy. Just search it and uh, it should pop up. Uh, is awesome. Here's a um, a fantasy pros hack for anyone out there who utilizes that site. You can go on and you can select the touts that you want. You can grab your analyst 
and select. You don't have to use the collective rankings. You can just cherry pick the ones out. You can just grab me and Pat, and then you're good to go. You don't have to grab the, <laughs> the 160 people consensus. Uh, you know, you can just select. So when you're when you're doing that, make sure you click on Pat. He is uh, again, like I said at the top, like it's not a, an occasional blimp where he pops up and does well once in a while. He is always up there. Uh, so definitely trust his process and, and want to follow his stuff. Again, you can find us in this pod anywhere you can find podcasts, uh, Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Again, we are doing this now on Periscope, YouTube, and on Twitch. So don't forget to find us there. Uh, you can find Connor on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. I'm there as well at Ryan Noonan. And the show is there at Move the Line NFL. We'll be back next week with our final show. We have the AFC South. And then we'll be back for week one. So for Connor, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening.